Hey there, my friend. It's Dr. A, and I want to welcome you back to another episode here on the Fit Father Project and the Fit Mother Project podcast. Today, I want to talk about the ketogenic diet, the keto diet as it's often called. And I want to explain why the approach in the keto diet is different than what we recommend inside our Fit Father and Fit Mother meal plans. And to get into that, I first want to define what the keto diet is and what some of the goals of that diet are. And then I want to point out some potential flaws or just reasons why I don't think it's the most optimal approach for most middle-aged people who want to live healthy and have a sustainable lifestyle over the long haul. So the keto diet is a very low-carbohydrate diet. And if we look on the food label of any kind of food or we just understand some nutritional science, all calories that we have in foods, they come from three main macronutrients. They come from proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. And what the keto diet does is it basically really pulls back, if not basically eliminates carbohydrates from the diet. So the calories you're getting are coming from proteins and fats. And the keto diet, the kinds of foods you eat might be some oils, might be some fatty meats, might be some nuts and seeds, some avocado, some eggs, some cheeses, some cured meats. It's kind of like a low carbohydrate diet, right? Now, the term keto has gotten a little jumbled, I guess you could say, particularly in the last five years when there's been just a ton of marketing dollars and lots of people trying to jump on this keto bandwagon hype. But if we go back like 20, 30 years ago, keto began to come up in the research where it was shown that if we do ketogenic diets, it helps people who have epilepsy, these seizure disorders. Because it turns out when you do not eat carbohydrates, your body starts to have this whole new kind of metabolism that kicks in where it produces ketone bodies. Your liver produces these ketone bodies because your brain requires energy to run. And if you're eating carbohydrates, your brain is certainly happy to burn carbohydrates for energy. And you probably heard the stat, the brain requires at least 100 grams of glucose per day. Well, that's not exactly true because if you go on a very low carbohydrate diet, like a ketogenic diet, your body body's going to produce these ketone bodies from fats and that can fuel brain and activity. So the idea behind the ketogenic diet is let's just like really prioritize ketone production by keeping carbohydrates very low, which means you're keeping insulin levels very low, which means you are burning fat. And oftentimes a lot of the foods that trip people up are these high sugar, high processed crap foods and the keto diet doesn't allow for those. So a lot of people end up feeling healthier and they end up losing a lot of weight and feel like it's a really good solution. The problem is, and this is my overall diet perspective, is is any diet that's restrictive from the get-go is going to cause friction in the long term. And things that cause friction in the long term are going to set you up for derailing your progress. And I think many people who have tried the keto diet ultimately come to this conclusion where over time, just stack this up over 5, 10 years of following a very low-carbohydrate diet, oftentimes they fall off the bandwagon because the holidays come around. It's hard to follow the keto diet or they're just miseating some healthy foods like blueberries, for example that have great health benefits, but they're not allowed on a strict ketogenic diet. And I want to say the term keto now has gotten a little muddled because now people are just calling a keto diet basically a lower carbohydrate diet. So it's not like the strict under 30 grams of carbs per day keto diet that was originally used in some of the research on epilepsy. Now it's just like a lower carb diet, which I'm all getting behind that. I am all for you eating a lower carbohydrate diet, particularly if you're cutting out a lot of like crappy sources of carbs, the processed sugars, some of the grains that don't have just like much nutritional value compared to other things. So this is kind of where our fit father and fit mother meal plans is similar to this lower carbohydrate diet, but we intentionally include carbs in the plan because I think it's important for a few key reasons. 
One, for the sustainability reason. It's really nice if you're someone who enjoys some carbohydrate-containing foods to be able to have a sandwich once in a while, right? Or maybe even every day, like some of our Fit Father or Fit Mother members. We just suggest that you, if you're going to have a sandwich and eat bread, get the highest quality bread, something like Ezekiel bread that's sprouted, organic, great for most people, and it doesn't cause this massive spike in blood sugar, right? So the keto diet idea is that we really want to control blood sugars at all costs. And the cool thing is when you actually have a healthy functioning metabolism, you can eat carbohydrates and your blood sugar will rise for a little bit, but insulin acts in a proper way, clears out the blood sugar, and you get back to baseline. So my point is, is you can have carbohydrates in your plan and you can see great weight loss, great health effects, and it's a lot more sustainable. So that's one thing to consider. The second thing to consider is just the psychological factor of whenever something's scarce in our environment, the human psychology is wired to seek that out. So if you remove any of the main macronutrients, like you're going to eventually crave those things over time. And now some keto diets have realized this and people do like carbohydrate refeed days or spikes because that also helps your metabolism over time by having that. But I just think ultimately this ends up getting a little too extreme and a little further away from what we actually want. And this is, I guess, the point of this entire episode and podcast and video here is that I recommend instead of aiming for a ketogenic diet that you aim for becoming insulin sensitive and metabolically flexible. So let's unpack that. Right now with this kind of modern obesity and cardiovascular disease and prediabetes, diabetes epidemic we have, most people have some degree of insulin resistance. And that comes down from many factors, but largely we eat too many crappy carbohydrates over time. We're eating too many calories over time and we're not moving enough. And all this blood sugar is being pumped out and constantly, constantly. And our cells become resistant actually to the hormone insulin that's supposed to drive those carbohydrates into the cells. And we become resistant to insulin. It takes more insulin to get carbohydrates into the cell. And one of insulin's functions as a storage hormone is to drive things in and to prevent fat burning. So then people start to gain weight, and then it causes all sorts of cardiovascular problems, neurologic problems, and the whole consequences we see with people who have diabetes. Well, the cool thing is if we can restore insulin sensitivity, you can enjoy carbohydrates and have some carb-burning metabolism and all the sustainability benefits of that while still having a great body and one that even does produce ketone bodies. And what metabolic flexibility means is is you don't strictly rely on burning sugar from carbohydrates. You also have the ability in your body's machinery to produce ketone bodies. So that's what I want for everyone to become insulin sensitive, which is the process oftentimes of losing weight and getting healthier is restoring this insulin sensitivity. And I have a couple tips I'm going to share specifically in this list I have here of ways that you can do that that are all research backed. And then the idea of metabolically flexible is we do want our bodies to have the ability to produce ketone bodies. And the best way to do that is to have periods where you intermittent fast which is exactly what we recommend inside our Fit Father and Fit Mother meal plans. After you get past the first 30 days of establishing the core foundational eating habits, we introduce the idea of doing dinner-to-dinner fasts once per week. And guess what happens when you start to do dinner-to-dinner fasts once per week? You start producing a lot of ketone bodies during that period of time, particularly if you're eating a lower carbohydrate diet like we recommend, just having the right carbs in the right portions at the right times, and you do intermittent fasting. Now you have the ability to eat foods that you love that are carbohydrate-containing healthy foods. You have the to burn glucose and not feel like you're on a super, super restrictive diet that might not be sustainable for you. And you can improve your insulin sensitivity and you can reduce ketone bodies. Like if you could think of an engine, which is effectively your metabolism, and that engine had the ability to use many different fuel sources efficiently, that is a better, more robust engine than if you're just trying to drive it down one particular fuel source exclusively. 
And I think a lot of people do feel good when they're on ketogenic diets initially because they're getting rid of all this crap sugar. They're normalizing their blood sugar levels. They're getting rid of a lot of these addictive foods and they're starting to lose weight and restore the insulin sensitivity. So I would posit that a very low carbohydrate diet is very healing. But again, my main premise and how I designed the Fit Father Fit Mother meal plans and the reason they're successful for so many people is that if it's not simple and it's not sustainable, it's not an option for you. So on that note, here's the way we approach improving insulin sensitivity on a lower carbohydrate diet while still being metabolically flexible. The first thing we talk about in our programs and we preach to our members is you need to get good sleep. If you are looking at improving your metabolism and you are not making sleep a priority, you are pushing a giant rock uphill. Sleep is this whole regenerative cycle where our brain activity slows down. And as a consequence, it changes all these different hunger hormones, metabolism hormones. And the research is abundantly clear. They'll take healthy people and they give them like a bad night of sleep, four, four hours of sleep or something like that. The next day, their blood sugars are out of control. They're more insulin resistant. And just imagine stacking this up for years of just getting suboptimal sleep, watching the TV late at night, getting those screens, blasting the light in your eyes that's suppressing your melatonin production. Like if you want to improve your metabolic health and your insulin sensitivity, you need to get serious about sleep. And that means a couple things. I think it means the blue blockers or the screen protectors to make sure you're not getting a ton of light late at night and just general hours. The more hours you can get of sleep up to a certain point is great. I personally aim for like seven and a half hours. We have a newborn at home. I'm not getting that amount of sleep all the time, but I know it's important. So I prioritize that. The next thing that's super important for basically allowing your body to process carbohydrates well on your diet is to strength train regularly. The cool thing about lifting weights is it actually makes your muscles like sponges for carbohydrates. And a lot of times when you're lifting, carbohydrates are the ideal fuel for high-intensity activity. So I'll explain this because I think it's very important. When you are doing very short burst activity, like you're doing an all-out sprint for like 15 seconds, your body's using an energy pathway that's called the creatine phosphate phosphate pathway. And not surprisingly, it uses creatine and is able to produce ATP through this very short duration pathway. And now if you're doing very low intensity, long activities, so you and I are going for a light jog, we're walking for many hours, your body has enough oxygen in circulation to actually burn fat. And that's called beta oxidation. And the whole ketone process as well is relying on fat burning there. But as exercise gets to higher intensities, which is this higher intensity strength training, a lot of the times it's relying on carbohydrate. Carbohydrate is involved in this anaerobic metabolism, this metabolism that when it's a high enough intensity, we can no longer rely on burning fats for fuels. So the cool thing about strength training is one, it does use carbohydrates. So carbohydrates absolutely increase your performance in high intensity activity, period, end of story. Ask most elite athletes outside of maybe an ultra marathon runner that keeps their heart rate in a low enough zone that they can really rely on fats. Carbohydrates, very helpful. After you lift, your muscles become sponges for carbohydrates. So this is really cool. These carbohydrate receptors get overexpressed on the surface of your muscles. And the carbohydrate receptors on your fat cells actually come under the surface. So you have a favorable opportunity after you do exercise that you've changed your metabolic parameters in a sense where you're ready to suck in carbohydrates and that can help refuel the muscles. And when you do ingest carbohydrates after training, it's often going to replenish your glycogen stores, which is the stored glucose stores in your muscles and in your liver if you tapped into that with a really, really, really long workout. 
Point being is that you strength train regularly. It improves your insulin sensitivity and it allows you to have carbohydrates. So what a lot of our members do is they exercise in the morning and then they have breakfast afterwards and that breakfast may have some carbohydrates. It may have some berries and maybe one of our smoothie recipes. Great. Other people exercise before dinner and then they have dinner after the fact and they make something like a perfect plate. And that perfect plate has a portion of protein, has a portion of some healthy carbs and has a big portion of veggies and some healthy fats. That's going to be ideal. You're going to get this nutrient partitioning and sucking in effect. So another good strategy. The next thing that's absolutely essential, and I believe that ketogenic diets go a little awry, is if they're not done properly and they can be done in a good enough way, you want to include the right kinds of fiber in your diet. So fiber has a lot of research-backed benefits, particularly soluble fiber. Soluble fibers are great for lowering cholesterol. They bind cholesterol actually in your digestive tract. So your gallbladder and your liver actually excrete cholesterol, and fiber can bind that up and get it out of your body. So one of the most reliable ways to naturally improve your cholesterol levels is to do fiber. And a lot of people do psyllium husk or citrus or apple pectins. And if you ever see the word pectin, it's just a type of fiber. These bind cholesterol. Well, the other cool thing about having the right kinds of fiber in your diet is that they actually feed your good gut bacteria. And we're really learning a lot more about this field, about the microbiome and how important it is for overall health. Just here's the blanket statement. It is very important, important for your immune system, important for your ability to burn fat, important for your neurologic function, important for your mood, like all these things. And you want to have diversity in your microbiome. We know that is a good idea. The more diverse microbiome, because it's like an ecosystem, the more diverse ecosystems are typically good. Same thing inside the body. As within, so without, this kind of concept here. Well, when you feed fiber, you give the opportunity for many of these good bacteria to actually grow and thrive. And they actually produce these things called short-chain fatty acids from fiber. So get this, you eat fiber and basically your gut bacteria convert that fiber into short-chain fatty acids. In fact, something like butyric acid, which is a type of fatty acid that's made from the breakdown of fiber by gut bacteria, is the exact fatty acid that's found in butter. And so you look at some of these big animals, like, you know, let's look like a gorilla. They eat a lot of like roughage and stuff like this. Well, they have the gut bacteria that's converting that basically into these short-chain fatty acids that are very energy rich, very healing for the digestive tract. So fiber is a good thing. Now you can get fiber if someone's following a ketogenic style diet, you just got to be smart about this stuff. And I wouldn't go on the, like the old school Atkins diet where you just basically eat, like cured meats and cheese and you know none of this kind of stuff. I don't think that's optimal. Now, we agree that like reducing carbohydrate intake is a good idea. And one area I think is a good place to reduce carbohydrate intake, and we preach this inside our Fit Father and Fit Mother programs, is at breakfast. So there's a unique hormonal environment that happens early in the day. One thing that happens is cortisol levels naturally rise in the morning. This gives us energy to wake up for the day. It's our natural circadian rhythm. And the cool thing about cortisol is it's a catabolic hormone. It actually breaks down muscle glycogen and elevates blood glucose. You get a natural rise in glucose in the morning from cortisol's action. And so this is cool. You don't need a lot of carbohydrate in the morning to feel good and have good functioning. Your cortisol levels are going to take care of that as is. So that's why inside our Fit Father and Fit Mother meal plan, we recommend a lower carbohydrate breakfast. Oftentimes, it's some kind of egg recipe. Oftentimes, it's some kind of smoothie or something like that, that it has a lot of good healthy fats and proteins and certainly some carbohydrates and fibers, but just not a ton of them. And a good thing is I'd say like stay under 50 grams of carbs in your breakfast, maybe even under 30. Most of our recipes are right around that 30 range or so. And I think that's a really good thing for helping you improve your blood sugar levels. And I also think you'll find this true in your own experience. If you start to eat a lot of carbohydrates early in the day, like you have 
have a breakfast that's like a crappy breakfast, like waffles or pancakes or something like this, it's like not ideal, fine for a free meal, but not ideal for an everyday. That sends your blood sugar in a tailspin that ultimately is going to mean you're going to crave more carbohydrates later in the day. And then you're on this roller coaster that many people find themselves on. So reduce carbohydrates in the morning. And we actually like to have people include a serving of carbohydrates at dinner. This is the perfect plate idea because for many of us, from a behavioral perspective, it's so much easier to adhere to a healthy diet when having some carbs. And again, the point here is that you can burn fat while having carbohydrates in the system. When you're insulin sensitive, when you're eating the right number of calories, blood sugar will rise gradually and fall right back down and you get right back to fat burning. So carbs can be in your plan. You don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, if you will. Here's the other couple of things that are helpful generally for improving insulin sensitivity is to use more of these great medicinal herbs, herbs like fenugreek, ginger, turmeric, garlic. A lot of these have been used for thousands of years by humans because they have great health benefits and particularly fenugreek. It's a seed that many people use in some Middle Eastern and Indian cooking. And it's great because it actually does improve insulin sensitivity. So you can do that. Another thing that helps with insulin sensitivity is green tea. Green tea is awesome for that. It has some specific catechins and special compounds in it that can improve insulin sensitivity. So that could be something to include into your routine, particularly if you're traditionally a coffee drinker, maybe you scale back on that extra cup of coffee and you use some green tea instead. A lot of people find that green tea helps them feel a little more balanced than coffee does. It's because green tea not only has a lower content of caffeine, but also has a special amino acid called L-theanine that is a neurostimulant, but a balancing one. It kind of gives you a little more of like this Zen effect. In our new formulation of our Fit Mother Balance Supplement, which is our hormone balance supplement, we've included 200 milligrams of the L-theanine in there because it's just such a wonderful supplement for women, particularly women as we age. And, and if women are ended up feeling like a little stressed or they want more energy, then L-theanine is a really great thing. We have that inside our upcoming New Balance formula. Another thing you've probably heard about that is great for blood sugar control is apple cider vinegar. And you want to get the good stuff. You want to go to like Whole Foods, Sprouts, or a nice grocery store. And the brand I recommend is Bragg's. B-R-A-G-G is the brand. And there's some health pioneers, Bragg brand. They have like apple cider vinegar, get it with the mother. It says apple cider vinegar with the mother. And that's actually some of the probiotics that are in the apple cider vinegar in the process of fermentation. And you take this in the morning, it will lead to a lower blood sugar later in the day, and it can improve overall glycemic response, and it can kind of wake up the GI tract. So many people find it's a nice habit in the morning to get some warm water, maybe squeeze a little lemon, maybe put a little apple cider vinegar in there. Super cool thing. It's just a good health habit, and it definitely does help blood sugars. And you can use this apple cider vinegar trick basically any time before a meal. So let's say you have a big dinner meal coming up and you know there's going to be some carbohydrates and you want to have as good glucose control as possible. You can have a little shot of apple cider vinegar and some water before your meal and that will help your glucose response. Another thing that's really cool, and this is something that I'm thinking and talking about a lot more, and we've done kind of like a little more by accident inside our Fit Father and Fit Mother meal plans, is to optimize nitric oxide function, NO, nitric oxide. It's this main gas in our bodies that vasodilates, improves circulation, helps with endothelial health. And the way to improve nitric oxide levels, one way is to actually eat more of these nitrates the things that our body uses to make nitric oxide. So nitrates are found primarily in dark green leafy vegetables. And guess what we have inside of many of our smoothie recipes for breakfast? A whole bunch of some organic spinach or some other greens like this. And it's such a good idea because you get the fiber, you get the vitamins, you get the minerals, and you get those natural nitrates, which can lower blood pressure, improve circulation. And when you're improving circulation, you're improving your overall health and function. And of course, there's some supplements that do help with blood sugar control. Magnesium is helpful. Chromium can be helpful. Berberine can be helpful. 
And, you know, these are things that are also helpful. The idea here is that you do not have to be on a super, super low carbohydrate diet to have incredible health. In fact, I would recommend you aim to be insulin sensitive and metabolically flexible. And by being metabolically flexible, you're strength training, you're having carbohydrates at the right portions at the right times, exactly as we lay out inside our Fit Father and Fit Mother meal plans, and you're doing some strategic fasting. So now in the back part of this conversation, let's talk about the fasting component. It is such a good idea to give your body periods where you do not ingest food. And the body does a lot of cool things. And we're going to do a separate episode very soon where I'm going to break down my personal three-day water fasting protocol. I do a couple times per year to really optimize these benefits. But I also believe three-day fasts are cool, but also 24-hour fasts are probably the most accessible way for people to start doing it. A dinner-to-dinner fast, ideally once per week. In fact, for guys who really want to push the weight loss inside our Fit Father program, we recommend twice per week. Women don't fast quite as well as men for some different hormonal reasons. So it's a consideration that maybe the 24 hours feels a a little bit long for you, or maybe you're fine fasting for 24 hours if you're a woman. But if you find it's a little too much, you might want to scale back maybe even to like a 16 or 20 hour fast. You still get benefits. And here's the cool thing. When you're eating a healthy diet that's not loaded with a bunch of carbohydrates and crap things, you're always in like this little mix of burning some carbohydrates, also burning some fats. And when you fast, you empty out those carbohydrate stores in the body and your body starts producing ketone bodies, which is a great energy source for the brain and has a lot of benefits as well. So you get some ketone production during the week with your intermittent fasting habit, as well as burning glucose, you're metabolically flexible. And you also just learn that you don't need to eat before workouts. This is a cool thing that a lot of people realize when they start our program programs is they can train fasted and you feel really good. And then you can eat afterwards and you also feel really good. And then you feel really good all the time. And that's a really great indicator. If you're not feeling psychologically deprived and your energy is feeling good, you're on the right track. And that's what worries me with many of these extreme approaches to diets. And there are so many good carbohydrate containing foods that are beneficial, particularly fruits, I think are really great. Certain kinds of vegetables for those soluble fibers are really great. So I recommend you do include those in the diet. So the key message here is work on insulin sensitivity with the good lifestyle habits we teach you here at FFP and FMP, and then work on being metabolically flexible with a combination of enjoying carbohydrates, also enjoying fasting periods. That's going to help your health tremendously. And in an upcoming episode, I am going to do a deep dive on my personal three-day water fasting protocol. And also I'm going to share some of the amazing research benefits of doing more prolonged fasting. Certainly, you get more ketone production, but there's a lot of amazing stuff that happens with stem cell regeneration, with reducing inflammation, with basically autophagy, getting rid of cellular garbage. All that stuff kicks in even deeper when you do a slightly longer fast. So that's in an upcoming episode. I hope you really enjoy that, my friend. For now, understand metabolic flexibility is the goal. Go forward, kick some butt with nutrition, and I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fit Father Project Podcast. If you love what you heard, please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really helps spread this show to more men who need this valuable info. To watch full video episodes of this podcast and other motivational videos to inspire your training and more, visit our Fit Father Project YouTube channel. It's free and everything's made for busy guys over 40 like you. Visit youtube.com forward slash Fit Father Project to get access to our entire video library. And finally, if you or someone in your life is interested in becoming a fit father or needs help losing weight, building muscle, and living healthier after age 40, then visit fitfatherproject.com where you can see our proven programs, supplement line for guys 40 plus, and free meal plan and workouts to get you started. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi signing off. I'll see you in the next episode.